The text for our devotional this morning is one that uh, you all are so very, very familiar with. But it's also one that has often been on the lips of an older gentleman in our church who no longer attends, for he uh, is in a nursing home. But when Bud Andrews would always come into the church building and would see me, he would greet me with, Hiya, kid! And then come up and grip my hand, and if I could endure the handshake, he would tell me this or that and the other. But you know, it was a great thing for Bud even to recognize who I was, for Alzheimer's was would finally put him in the nursing home, and he often didn't really know who he himself was. But we all knew that before long in any conversation with Bud would be something like, You know, as I always say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Bud's mind was not always clear, but he was always clear about that. John 3.16 God so loved the world. There was no question that Bud believed that verse. Twelve years ago at our former church in University Place in the shadow of Tom Lyon Sunset Bible Church congregational meeting was called to discuss whether or not to act upon the recommendation of the elders to have our twelve year ministry ended. I was not at that meeting because I had already resigned. But there was some question as to whether I believed in John 3.16. You see, an elderly lady, one that probably, I think she was a, uh, a charter member, evidently rose in that meeting and said, I love this pastor, I love his family, but I no longer can support him as our pastor, for he does not believe anymore in John 3.16. She said, I know, because I asked him, and he told me he does not believe in John 3.16. Well, she called me, she had called me, and we talked, and obviously my explanation wasn't good enough. But in the province of God, all of that transpired to our being now at Elm Street Baptist Church, 12 years, and here this morning with you. Let us think. A few moments about John 3.16. God so loved the world. You know, the verse does not say, does it? God loved the world. I know we're all familiar with Pink's book, Sovereignty of God. And uh, Pink gets us to the point where in order to understand world, uh, cosmos, he wants us to see in that that the world must mean the world of the elect. B.B. Warfield says the same thing. I've always had trouble explaining the verse that way. That the world there means the world of the elect. John himself uses world, I know, in many ways, but... uh, He starts right out in the first chapter of John. He was in the world. 
speaking of Christ, the world was made through Him. The world did not know Him. A little later, his brothers wanted him to go up to the feast. Show yourself to the world, they said. And his response to them was, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. And then in John's other epistle, 1 John, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's not a lovely place. To love it means the love of the Father is not in us. But God so loved the world. John also tells us that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. A preacher I once knew always referred to that verse, the world lies in the lap of the evil one. Not a good translation probably, but picture. It pictures the world system, the cosmetics of this world, the, the form and function and the organization of the society of men as being in the lap the control, the influence, the power of the evil one. God loves that. God loves that world. James warns us, tactfully, adulterers and adulteresses, do not you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The world is a wicked place. I just heard yesterday in our Portland, Portland, Oregon, we're now following San Francisco, issuing marriage licenses for same-sex couples. Not surprising in Oregon, we're from the state that saves the owls and saves the whales and kills the babies and the old people. It's a wicked place, this world. God loves the world. Well, it seems to me, and it's helpful to me, to see in this expression that God loved the world by the little word that appears at the beginning of John's statement. The little word, hutos. It's emphatic. It comes first. It's the little word, so. It answers a lot of questions for me about the world and what is it that God loves. We came here by plane. It's too far to drive from Oregon down here in the time we had. So we came to Arbka by American West Airlines from Eugene to Phoenix. The little word so simply means this is how we did it. This describes to us the way in which we came to Arbka. And the little word can mean in this way. And if I could give my translation of John 3.16, John says literally right at the first, in this way, in this way, 
It's an adverb, you see. It's in this way God loved the world. Seems that what God is or what John is telling us in that verse is that you and I don't have a right to put a definition on God's love. You know, people like to hear God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, what does that mean? Well, to the world it can mean anything. God loves me just like I am, you know? When we think of God's love, it seems to me that John has put it before us as God's own description of how you and I are to think of his love. It's not our prerogative to decide what love means except by a verse that says in this way, in this manner, God loved the world. How did he do it? Well, you know the answer. He gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how we understand God's love. You want to know how much God loves you? Think of Calvary. Think much of Calvary. John says in his little epistle, by this we know love. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Think much about Christ and his sacrifice. John also says, in this, the love of God was manifested, made known, clearly seen. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, into the world, that we might live through him. Many of the people to whom we preach are described by John in verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Some people in pulpits, that would describe. In all this, I'm saying something I hope very simple. It's a devotional. I was asked, what is a devotional? I'm not sure. Just preach, I was told. In this amount of time, you know, we all preach for 45 minutes, don't we, David? Ray Steadman told a group of pastors in Tacoma one time, men, always remember, the main thing is, keep the main thing the main thing. He was speaking on expository preaching and he was referring to that important primary role of the expository ministry of the pulpit. The main thing is, Keep the main thing the main thing. It's clear what the main thing was for the Apostle Paul. Remember what he said to the Corinthians? For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, does that mean that Paul didn't have married seminars? I don't know. But if he did, certainly he would speak of Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. If he was speaking on matters of the Christian life, the Christian walk, certainly he would speak about sacrifice. 
The pastor once said that our responsibility, our job, our task is to prepare our people for sacrifice. Doesn't Romans 12.1, Fred, say that? A living sacrifice? Paul would say, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It seems that if we want to know love, and if our ministry is to reflect the love of God, as we are being exhorted so well in these evening sessions, that we must think much this day about the atonement, about the giving of the Savior for man, for our sins. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That's our model, is it not? The suffering Christ. Harold Bart, not a Reformed Baptist, I understand, was once asked, what is the greatest theological truth that you have come to understand? And he is reported to have responded, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Or whatever you think of Karl Barth, his answer was simple. Sort of like Bud Andrews. Bud would not ever be referred to as a theologian. Not by men, certainly. But in his very childlike and humble way, I understand that now in the nursing home, Bud goes from room to room. The only thing wrong with him really is his mind. But is there really anything really wrong with his mind? For everyone he meets, he holds out his hand and says, For God so love the world. He prays with people, I'm told. His, sister, his daughter-in-law told me the other day, he goes around and he goes up to someone's bed and just goes and grabs his hand and prays. And I know that when Bud prays, somewhere in that prayer, for God so loved the world. You wouldn't call Bud a theologian. But what does God say? What does God say? I have called you by your name. You are mine. Brothers and sisters, today... May we, as we think about missions, as we think about the world, as we fellowship together, as we meet around the meal table, and then tonight again, as we come here for the preaching of God's Word, may God give us His favor in thinking much, in dwelling much on the love of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege once again to gather in this assembly. Lord, we marvel at your great love that is described for us 
that is expounded for us, that is clarified for us, that is delineated for us in this verse before us. God so loved. We thank you for that love. We confess that we are so short on our understanding of that love. But Lord, we pray today that you will cause our minds and hearts to dwell much on this great truth. That we might be animated and moved upon by the love of God in Christ Jesus. And for this we ask and pray in his precious name. Amen.